Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Miller, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ian Cummings, and it's Mock Draft Monday. Listen, I'm never going to say that it was a bad week of college football because it really wasn't a bad week of college football. There weren't the there weren't a ton of the marquee matchups like there will be next week and there won't be uh, the matchup, you know, like we're going to get with Caleb Williams and Shitter Sanders in week five, but there was still good matchups and we will bring content kind of going over that. I know I'm going to do my film spotlight on Spencer Rattler because what he showed against Georgia was fantastic. I don't think he'll be in the top 10 of our mock draft here today. And we are only going through 10 picks. Because Ian's going to make a pick, I'm going to make a pick, and then we're going to come to a consensus about who each team should take. The order is a little bit based off of what has happened so far and a little bit based off what I think is going to happen for the rest of the season, so it's completely arbitrary. Don't care. If you have any issues with it, um, you can speak to my manager. But as always, I have to ask, Ian, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. We've got enough weeks, just enough weeks to finally get an early mock draft in there. And mock drafts are the best part of draft season, man. We we churn through dozens of them every year. And it's because there's so many different probabilities, different outcomes to run through. So I'm excited to go through it with you today. Real quick, I just want to reiterate, guys, if you are mad about the order, it's Dalton's fault. That, that I want to reiterate, it's Dalton's fault. No, 100% it's, my fault. It's tough to project this early, man, because there's teams like Cincinnati who are 0-2 right you know other teams who are maybe 2-0 who we don't expect to finish quite as high as they would be projected right now so we're still pretty early but enough has happened where we can just play around with it right we know we don't have all the answers right now but that's what makes projecting so fun this early on because the the possibilities are endless and you have a lot of flexibility and this will be a fun one to look back on when the NFL draft does come around just to yeah. see how many guys that we project being in that top 10 ish range end up actually being top 10 caliber guys. And mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on with my camera, but it looks a little bit fuzzy right now. That's kind of annoying. You guys don't get to see my beautiful face if you're watching on YouTube, but this is an audio medium as well. Let's get into it. The first pick, I don't think anybody should really be surprised about this. It's the Arizona Cardinals and they might have two picks coming up in this top 10 but this is their top 10 pick this is the one that they own because they are the worst team in the nfl they just were up 28 to 7 against the new york giants heading into late in the third quarter and lost that football game it looked like they were going to completely dominate the new york giants and then they lost it because that's what bad teams do. And it's not that they are a, a team that can't compete because I think that this is actually a really scrappy team overall. They just, the entire roster is our oyster when it comes to a team building perspective. We can go any which way we want to here. Ian, where are you going with the first pick in the NFL draft? Yeah, well, it's every mock draft with the Cardinals is tough because they got that other pick from Houston that's right now projected to be a top 10 pick as well. So uh, and we're rolling with that in, in this mock draft, too. So I think when you pick number one, you have questions of quarterback. I feel like that's the position you can't you can't cut corners at it. You can't push that down. You can't kick that rock down the street. You got to address that first. And I think this class, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Uh, we came into the season saying th those are the top two and those guys were both worthy of the number one overall pick. I don't think anything has changed in that regard, but I'm going to go with Caleb Williams here. Um, I think that Drake may just by a hair had the QB one grade on my board entering the season. And me personally, 
nothing has happened for me to change that. You know, I don't want to be too elastic after just two weeks. That said, Drake May, the decision making, especially under pressure, has been questionable at times. I think Caleb Williams, you can make this a similar argument, not necessarily decision making, but sometimes he'll pass up open reads in the pocket. Sometimes the field vision in the short ranges is a little questionable. Sometimes he kind of creates the chaos that he's so good at navigating through. But Drake May, to me, has been he he has been perfect. He, he has been flawed. He's been fantastic when he's making those throws downfield, right? Layering it into tight windows. But I think Caleb Williams, if you're projecting for you know, withstanding adversity, they're both phenomenally talented prospects, but Caleb Williams' creation capacity is just unmatched. So I'm gonna go with Caleb Williams. I think Arizona starts the reset with him at QB. Um, and then Drake May will someone else will get to enjoy his talents. Yes, someone will absolutely get to enjoy his talents. Um, I, I saw Carter Don, Donchick. Is it, I don't think it's Donchick. It's Donick. It's Donick, right? Donick. You're thinking of Luka Donchick. I do, well, that's <laughs> the problem. I lived in Texas for six years, and all they talk about is Luka down there, which they should. He's fantastic. Yeah. But anyways, um, he he said uh, Drake May has the Bozo gene, uh, and he does have the Bozo gene right now. Hmm. He took care of the ball, I, I thought, pretty well last season but he's made some really, really poor decisions so far yeah. this year. He's the good news is it's not it's not every time. It's just like one or two a game. It happens, right? It's very rare, but you can count on it. There's going to be there's gonna be those, and it shows up. So that alone uh, kind of puts him on the same playing field as Williams. Yeah, and that's the, the thing that I look at. But when you look at it, I mean, so, so does Tua Tungvaloa. Yeah. Just watch him play football for an entire game. He will try to give the ball away once or twice. The Bozo gene in and of itself is not a disqualifier. A lot of the top quarterbacks have it because a lot of the top quarterbacks have that sort of confidence in their arm and their abilities overall. Mm -hmm. uh, the interception to nobody was was pretty bad for, for Drake May the other day. Yeah. Um, but he's still a very talented player. Uh, for me, it's Caleb Williams. It's always been Caleb Williams here for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, it just makes sense. His playmaking ability is absolutely otherworldly. Yes, I think that he is going to need to significantly speed up his process at the next level. He's going to need to learn to just take the singles and the doubles every once in a while instead of trying to hit the home run on every play. But the creation ability, the creativity, even just within the pocket to create throwing windows is unbelievable. Uh, the fluidity and flexibility that he has to oh, yeah. get away from pressure. And then obviously the flexibility in his arm is outrageous as well. For me, he's the guy and there's really not too much of a question about it. So that's Ian picking Caleb Williams. That's me picking Caleb Williams. So obviously we are going to pick Caleb Williams here and we can move on to the second pick, which is unfortunately, and this is sad for me to say the Chicago bears. I had not high hopes for them this year, but I had higher hopes than the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. I thought that this offense might be able to turn the corner. I knew that the defense was going to continue to be bad, but the offense is an abomination as well. Still, there's just so many issues that we can't get into them. This is an NFL draft podcast, and I really want to go on a rant right now, but I'm not going to. Ian, who is your pick here? Well, I got to ask a question, man. I got to ask a question because and I yes. would, I wouldn't give up on Justin Fields yet because I don't think the situation has been conducive to development from the start of his career, really. But let's say they're bad enough to get the number two overall pick. All right. That maybe means that Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze are out the door. Right. That means a new regime. Do you think Drake May is in the discussion here? And then they trade Justin Fields and let him get a change of scenery. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and it, it honestly, it should be. I, I selfishly, as a Justin Fields stand, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going down with the ship. No matter what happens with Justin Fields, I'm going to remain a fan of his. I see his flaws. I understand his flaws. But yes, you're right. He hasn't had a fair shake of things. Getsy and Eberflus, it's just not working out. Uh, I don't know. I assume Ryan Pace will, will be okay and he'll be able to kind of bring his guys in for the next regime. But I think when you get a regime change like that and when you have a prospect of May's caliber plus cheap quarterback, I mean, you have to make a really difficult decision with Justin Fields, even if he is good next year because you have to decide on his fifth year option so they're obviously not going to pick that up no matter what so then you're thinking and you're 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 in the daniel jones situation again where even one good year is not enough to to really pay him Mm -hmm. so i I think yes it's absolutely in play yeah so entertaining that thought in mind uh if they are picking number two right i'm gonna kind of go with the the scenario here if they are picking number two if they are picking that high there's uh, odds are it's a regime change right odds are justin fields probably out the door and here's the thing he is still pretty marketable even though he hasn't shown a lot of development as a passer because that hyper elite running ability right that create you can build an offense around that all right i think the bears had some success down the line last year doing that i mean he had over a thousand rushing yards right he was an incredibly dynamic running threat and there is upside as a passer we were both pretty high on him his upside as a passer coming out uh, we knew there would be an adjustment out of that ohio state offense but i don't think it's unsalvageable so i think what the bears do if they're picking number two and they have another early pick from the carolina panthers right so i would go qb i would reset the ship i think i'm going with drake may here and we've talked about him right there are a few uh, uncharacteristically bad decisions from game to game but still a very athletic signal caller for his size, very natural torquing his hips, arm elasticity, arm strength, and then the layering ability to, to you know combine velocity and touch on throws is really impressive. And then there's also flashes of defender manipulation, right? Mechanical control. Uh, I think he brings everything that you want in franchise QB. I think the Bears can reset with him and get some capital back for a team that's bullish on Justin Fields and how they can work around him in an offense. I don't really have much to add here. I'm also going with Drake May. We've we've talked about him ad nauseum at this point, and his upside is ridiculous. I think with a regime change, listen, the Chicago Bears need to find a quarterback. At some point in their franchise history, they need to find a quarterback. They need to find the passing attack somehow. And I think Drake May, fresh slate, let's get it done. Let's get out of here. Third pick in the NFL draft here that we have in this mock draft is the Denver Broncos. And this might surprise some people here and there. This defense is not playing well at all. And uh, crazily enough, the veteran quarterback who has been around for over a decade now has not been fixed overnight by Sean Payton. So where are we going here, Ian? This is a really tough one for me. I am not going to lie because – quarterback you know ideally i would have gotten one of may and williams but i do yeah. think there's a quarterback who's played his way into the top three conversation this season to I me i know where this is going it's shadur sanders you know i'm a big fan of drake uh jj mccarthy as well right i think he was a viable qb3 candidate now he had a few bad throws in week three against bowling green right so i don't think that moved him back down but I do think there's still a little bit of way to go before he's in the same top five conversation. But Shadur Sanders, man, has been incredible. I mean, you look at what he's done with the Buffaloes, 
Um, you know, he's obviously got the base, the physical talent, right? I mean, he's a very good athlete, the change of direction in the pocket, really nimble, light on his feet, right? Uh, very good at getting out in space when he needs to, but he doesn't do it unnecessarily, right? He's also very good at staying disciplined and poised in the pocket, managing that space. Uh, and then his processing ability, right? I mean, the way that he can read the field very quickly, right? He processes defender leverage very well and places passes precisely to that. Um, so I think, you know, for me, Shadur has checked every single box, right? I think everything looks so easy to him. And then you you see the quote about, you know, he's talking to Tom Brady every day, that 98 yard uh, drive to take the lead, right? That, that Those are things that a special quarterback does, right? So Shadur Sanders, I don't think we need to overthink it, right? I think this is a guy who's played his way into the top three conversation. He's got the necessary baseline talent, but then on the operational side, operationally there's so many different categories to grade pocket management mechanics accuracy and precision processing ability decision making and to me he aces every single one of these right so on top of having good tools that's a deal that 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 settles it for me i mean i think of the quarterbacks beyond may and williams he's played the best and he's played into that conversation if you're the broncos Russell Wilson isn't cutting it. Sean Payton, you kind of have a new lease at a coaching opportunity in Denver. I wouldn't kick that can down the road again. I think you go with the quarterback who's proven that he can be a franchise guy, has the talent and the operational capacity to do so. To me, that's Shadur Sanders. I think the Broncos roster has some work to do outside of that, a lot of work to do outside of that. But I do think uh, you start with the quarterback for me if you're Sean Payton. So I'm going with Shadur Sanders. We go three quarterbacks in a row, uh, but I think that's the way to go. Yeah, and we don't know how this is all going to shake out. We don't know if Shadur Sanders is going to be able to keep this up in Pac-12 play. Uh, he's been fantastic so far, obviously, uh, and he was great again against Colorado State. The one interception that he had wasn't really his fault. Yeah. I, I think that he's been outstanding when it comes to the accuracy. I, I know somebody that charts quarterbacks, college quarterbacks every single week, and me and him often have very similar opinions on – not even just quarterbacks, but most draft prospects in general, were very like-minded in that way. And he has been blown away by Shooter Sanders as well. And that's looking at every single throw he's made. This is looking at the processing ability, the, the operational side of things. Is it going to continue in Pac-12 play? I don't know. They're going to be outmatched at some point. They're not a bad football team. They're much better than we thought that they were going to be overall. And they have that type of attitude to, to take it to bigger teams. And not just that, when you have a player like Sanders, when you have a player like Travis Hunter, who hopefully comes back and is fully healthy soon, you can knock off some really good teams. And when you are an outmatched team and you have that quarterback talent, you have that one guy on the outside like that, that can be enough, especially when you have the creation ability that Shudder Sanders has. So I'm fascinated to see how the Buffalo season unfolds for the rest of the year. And I'm fascinated to see just how high Sanders can end up going on. Yeah. Does he end up pushing the top two guys at some point here? And, and I don't think that no matter what happens, I think Caleb Williams is probably going to be that top pick mm -hmm. if he continues just looking the way that he has. But could he even push Drake May? Do you think that the physical tools are good enough to bet on on the high end when it comes to his arm? Because from what I've seen, I don't see any – thing that would preclude him no. from pushing those two if he continues at this rate do i think he quite has the rocket launcher on a 360 degree swivel that may has yeah, yeah, no yeah. but i think he's he's got great arm strength he's got great arm elasticity too right i think you you worded it best i don't think anything precludes him 
from being a top two pick in that discussion if he play if he keeps playing this well. And on top of that, too, you know, when you pass that physical talent threshold, that's when the operational differences start to show up. And I think honestly, of those three quarterbacks, you could make a case that Shadur has been the best so far this year. So I think looking at that in mind with the passable physical, not even passable, beyond passable physical talent, uh, to me, that's that's a viable conversation to have. Up next, we have the Las Vegas Raiders who are there. They're crying right now. <laughs> oh, also, with, with Shudder, he's staying in the Colorado area. Yeah, that's fine. This pick as well. I yeah. listen, I, I hate to do it. I, I do it all of the time. I'm, I'm a very early on geological guy or geogra- geolog- geological, geographical, geographical guy when it comes to, to draft selections. I think having, you know, the, the local knowledge with with scouts can can be big sometimes so i always go for you know guys that are are around you know that area early on and then i kind of you know swivel around and and even it out later in the draft process but i like having the geographical selections like that the las vegas raiders are up next at number four and we could go a million different ways with them as well because Mm -hmm. They're kind of a disaster as well and josh mcdaniels might not be around next year we will have to wait and see what happens but Ian, where are you going with this pick? This is a tough one for me because Jimmy G, right? Do I think he's the long-term answer? No, I don't. Also, three quarterbacks have gone off the board, the three best quarterbacks in my opinion. Jimmy G still has quite a bit of money tied up with him, right? And I think if you're the Raiders, you have a lot of needs. I honestly, I'm maybe looking at non-quarterbacks here and seeing if I can get the best non-quarterback. Now, that's a tough conversation to have too because wide receiver, uh, they got Devontae Adams. They got Jacoby Myers, right? Do you pick Marvin Harrison Jr., who's the top non-quarterback? Do you pick J.C. Latham? They have a need at right tackle. Jermaine Illuminor is going to be a free agent, right? And I think you can upgrade there with Latham. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry at corner, right? He's been very good this season. They got Marcus Peters on a one-year deal. Uh, they don't have a ton of firepower at that position. Those are the things that stand out to me, right? I think I would go non-QB here just because I think this might not be the year to do that, right? I think Jimmy G, maybe ride out another year with him. You have Aiden O'Connell, who can be a solid bridge QB if you need him to be, and then address that down the road. Um, But I'm looking at the non-QBs, and it's a tough decision, man. It really is, because at the same time, too, I think, you know, you have Hunter Renfro as well. But I don't know. I'm talking myself into Harrison because I'm just thinking of a wide receiver core with Adams and Harrison, right? And Myers can move him around a little bit. Uh, that That's a fun idea. But I think if I had to pick one on the spot, um, and this is a pick that I made a few times this offseason, but J.C. Latham, to me, uh, the talent remains indisputable with him. I mean, we've seen a lot of reps so far this season where he's just being a road grader, right? Six foot six, 330 pounds, exploding off the snap, just driving defenders off of the line and clearing open lanes for runners. And then as a pass protector, too, you know, there are still a few lapses, I think, uh, particularly when he's faced with outside inside counters, right, where maybe he gives it a little bit too much space. Um, kind of keeps that corner a little bit too wide heading inside. But um, he's very balanced. He's very athletic. And he does show uh, flashes of good hand placement on his extensions and latches. So, you know, I think for the Raiders, for me, if I had to pick, I'm going with the premier position, J.C. Latham, uh, shoring up that right tackle spot and preparing uh, for an eventual change at QB. Marvin Harrison Jr. There we I'm, go. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm adding, I'm adding Marvin Harrison Jr. to Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. It's for for me, it kind of came down to between him and I think Kool-Aid and 
when it comes down to it, Marvin Harrison Jr. is just a different caliber of prospect as Kool-Aid McKintree is. I, I, I really like McKintree, and it was really funny. I, I looked at Twitter just to get some – see what the reaction was to McKintree the week before um, in the week two game in their loss to Texas, and there were a lot of fans who just flat out don't know ball <laughs> that were saying McKintree was getting torched and he wasn't, he was in good position against Adonis Mitchell and Mitchell, who is six foot four, by the way, yeah, beat him along the sideline. He was step for step with him. He just wasn't able to quite play the ball there. He's fantastic in zone coverage as well. And we'll probably pick him here in a bit. Um, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is just a different caliber of player. He's unbelievable and adding him to this I, I think especially with somebody like jimmy g who needs somebody who's going to be over the middle going to get open be able to make plays after the catch mm -hmm. i think that that's going to be critical for him because he needs to get the ball out quickly he yeah. is not able to create plays, so we need somebody to create separation and with adams and him to do that mm -hmm. it's game over offensively and we've we've seen we saw just this past week too like harrison is such a good route runner such a good contested catch threat that's kind of what he's advertised as but this past week they used him in motion right they got him uh, the ball on a jet sweep i think he was showing his rack ability too so he's got the complete arsenal man so i think you were so confident going with harrison right i was kind of on the fence so I think we will we'll go Harrison here. I think it, it's, uh, I think that's I think kind I, of the way I, to go. I, I think that's a good one. We'll, we'll go with Harrison on the consensus and we will move on to Arizona's second pick here. What are you thinking, Ian? Well, I wanted Harrison. If I'm Arizona, I was really hoping that he would still be here uh, because that just kind of is kind of a obvious. Well, pick. He is for you. He is for me. Right. Oh, yeah. you're, you're going with the consensus. Huh? So Marvin Harrison yeah. is the guy for our consensus, but for your selection here, you can still pick Marvin Harrison Jr. I oh, cannot. Okay. Well, then for I'm the going consensus, Harrison. We can't. Okay. Yeah, that's really okay. Easy, right? I, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, we would, we would come together on a final pick. Okay. All right. So we're, we're, we're clashing. All right. Well, I'm going Harrison. That's easy. Yeah. No, I think everything that we've said, um, if you're the Cardinals, especially if you're bringing a rookie QB in uh, with Caleb Williams, you need to get that number one receiver to me. You know, anytime a lot of mock drafts in the summer had the Cardinals projected to go one, two, right? Because the Houston was so far up there. And Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. just makes sense, man. I mean, you get the best quarterback in the draft, arguably uh, one of the best quarterback prospects in recent years. And then you get an, a near generational wide receiver prospect in Harrison. I don't think he's done anything to discount that so far this year. 6'4, 205, uh, just phenomenally bendy route runner, really good contested catch threat. He's got rack too, versatile. Um, yeah, for me, that's an easy pick to make. And for me, things get a little bit more difficult, but not really. I, I could go offensive line here. I, I could go right tackle. I could go JC Latham. I love JC Latham, but that's not where I'm going to go here. I'm going to go with Kool-Aid McKinstry. I'm going to get them their CB1. They have absolutely nobody on the outside. I, I think, uh, who was the Florida corner? Um, is it Marco, Marco Wilson? Wilson. Yeah. Marco Wilson. Um, and I don't, I, I'm honestly, I'm not even sure who was on the other side of him right now. It's, it's, it's really, really ugly in Arizona. They did draft the Garrett Williams from Syracuse and they also drafted Keytrail Clark from Louisville. Yes. So I'm intrigued to see how they pan out in the long term because I really liked Williams and Clark was yeah. phenomenal as well. Uh, at the Shrine Bowl, he was just mm -hmm. showing out and he had really good tape too. So a couple good young guys, but you're right. If you can get a talent like Kool Aid. Uh, to me, that that makes sense. Keeping him in red and white. Williams is, has kind of struggled to stay healthy, so that's kind of mm -hmm. why I, I I haven't even really thought about him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. For me, it's it's going to be Cooley McKinstry here, and then we can have a discussion about the consensus here. 
we obviously don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. for the consensus pick, but we can go somewhere else other than McKinstry if you're feeling like you would rather kind of build the offense instead around the quarterback. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking here? You, th- you, th- you thinking maybe offensive line here? Maybe offensive line. I know they just picked uh, – they just picked – Paris they Johnson. Just, yeah, they just picked Paris Johnson. They already have their their left tackle uh, in DJ. Is it DJ Humphreys? DJ, DJ uh, Humphreys. Yeah. yeah, DJ Humphreys is the left tackle there. So I think this might be, if we want to, this might be a good spot for right tackle because it looks like Paris Johnson might be the the interior guy for now, and then maybe eventually kick out to the left side. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm still. I'm still looking at other positions here because I know Marvin is gone. Uh, he's not available, but I'm also looking at edge rusher at edge. potentially. Yeah, because yeah, I know you got Dallas Turner. You got J- uh, Jared Verse, right? Dallas Turner, to me, I'm, I'm looking at his fit in that Jonathan Gannon uh, defense. And I just think um, the upside is really exciting to me because Dallas Turner uh, came into this into the uh, season 6'4", 240, right? Super explosive, incredibly bendy. You know, the finesse rushing tools are definitely there with him. But then he's got insane long levers for arms, too. And you can see him just generate momentum out of his stance and just surge into tackles and just blast them back, too. So, you know, all of the all of the components are there for a complete stand-up outside linebacker, edge rusher, who can just menace tackles from those wider alignments, right? So, uh, Jared Verse, to me, has the more complete profile right now, but he hasn't been super consistent as a pass rusher, not as consistent as I would have expected anyway so far this this year. Uh, against Boston College early on, he was getting really good push, right? I thought he was showing a lot of good uh, plays in pursuit, right, with his speed. But later on, especially when Boston College was staying in the game, uh, he did fade out a few times uh, later in pass rush reps, you know, not able to stack moves as consistently after his first counter. So I think, to me, they're really neck and neck. I'm going to stick with edge rusher here. I think those two guys, especially, you know, after them, this edge class is still pretty thin and unproven, unsettled, right? I do think there's talent there, but those two guys to me are at the top of the board. So if I'm Arizona, you got BJ Ojulari, you have Dennis Gardeck, who you know, Ojulari's got a ton of upside too. Gardeck is a good player, but I have an opportunity to add a potentially game-changing talent in Dallas Turner. Uh, he's not my edge one yet, but I do think with the explosiveness, the bend, the power capacity, uh, his ceiling is a little bit higher and I think he could start to catch on. So I'm going to go with Dallas Turner for me. Well, it's, it's not for you. It's for us. It's for us. And, uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm good with Dallas Turner. I was on record of being a fan of his over the summer, even Mm -hmm. over Jared verse. I had only gotten one really good game in of Jared verse, but I had watched highlights and stuff of Jared verse as well before this season and I I think you're right when it comes to the consistency for verse so far it hasn't really been there I thought early you know in that uh, LSU game especially I thought that he looked really really good but after that uh, it's been hit or miss Dallas Turner is about the only person on that defensive line for (laughs) the Alabama Crimson Tide to get pressure so that's kind of what we're looking at there we got to move on we got to get rolling we're at number six the Chicago Bears are back on the clock Carolina's pick here. Ian, where are you going with the second pick? The first one was Drake May. Yeah, you know, the defense still needs a lot of work. Oh, wait, I need to make a correction, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Paris Johnson has been playing right tackle, not left guard. thought he was going to play left guard to start the year. He's actually been playing right tackle for Arizona. Okay, so that, that Arizona pick checks out then. We're good, we're yeah. good. Yeah, Chicago, 
the defense has not been has not been great, right? They have a lot of young talent on the defensive line and in the corner room too. So you, you do expect it in a sense, right? You could go edge. I didn't think they did enough to address edge in the 2023 NFL draft. Jared Verse is obviously a good option here. Uh, but you could also go with offense, right? I think uh, Robert Tanyan is a free agent. They don't have a ton of depth in that tight end room. Chase Claypool, obviously not coming back. The writing's on the wall there. I think they can use more weapons for Drake May, right? You know, I think one of the biggest arguments with Justin Fields, right, he definitely hasn't proven enough himself, but I don't think they've given him the proper support from a infrastructure standpoint as well. So looking at the talent that's still on the board, one fit that I've really liked uh, throughout the entire cycle is Brock Bowers uh, to Chicago because he can play in the slot. You can move him all across the formation. Uh, he's a phenomenal contested catch threat. He's kind of like a bird of prey when he's attacking the ball in the air. You know, he's just vice grip, hand strength, but then very explosive, uh, dynamic run after catch that with contact balance too. Uh, so I think Brock Bowers to me makes a lot of sense. Now you could go edge because the edge class is not super deep, but at the same time, how often do you get a, a talent as versatile, as all-encompassing as Brock Bowers, a weapon in that offense? I think that's a very valuable outlet to have for May early on. I think it's something that Fields didn't always have, and that hurt him at times. So I think for me, we've got May. I'm getting him that top-shelf weapon to use and to take pressure off of him uh, in Brock Bowers. That's where I'm going. Yeah, um, and they obviously have Cole Komet there, but – yeah. I think you look at what Buffalo is doing right now. Kind of like a big with, slot, yeah. Yeah, I, I think what you do is you you look at what Buffalo is doing right now with their two tight ends and Dawson Knox. Um, and why can't I think of... Dalton Kincaid? Dalton Kincaid. He's literally got my my name, my name, and I couldn't think of his <laughs> Come name. Come on, man. Um, look at what they're doing with Dalton Kincaid. Mm -hmm. they're, they were in... 12 personnel 65 percent of the time in week one yeah. i don't have the the stats for week two yet but they are leaning into 12 personnel and it's not really 12 personnel mm -hmm. because you have a guy like that on the outside that can legitimately win matchups yeah. brandon bean literally literally said in press conference like it's more like one 1. 1.5 yes. because yeah. you know this guy is basically a big slot wide receiver that's what you're getting with brock bowers cole Komet can 100%. be your inline tight end he can move out into the slot too if you need him to you can move these guys around but brock bowers truly is that positionless guy. You can move him all across the line. If you want him to block in line or as an H-back too, he can do that as well. You know, just very versatile. Use him wherever and uh, he'll make plays. With that said, I have to I have to address this offensive <laughs> line. I have to address this offensive line. And so for me, I still have JC Latham available. I am going to go with that. He is going to play right tackle for them and we are going to get that over with. What about uh, Darnell Wright, though? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. They yeah. did draft Darnell Wright. Now, Braxton, oh, Braxton are, is he going to replace Braxton Jones and let no, Olu Fashanu? I mean, Braxton, Braxton Jones has kind of been okay. So, like, yeah. I don't really know what to do. Like, yeah, obviously, Olu would be a fantastic pick here to improve the offensive line. But, like, then you're looking more of the interior is the issue. Yeah. I don't know how good this guard class is, but I, mean, I, I think we're going to go a different direction at this point. Because I've just thought about that. Are you thinking defense then? You know, I'm I, I'm thinking defense, and I think I just got to go with Jared Verse at this point. Yeah, I think I got to go with Jared Verse. I don't think, and we don't know what's going to happen with the coaching staff. It's probably not going to be around next year. We don't know what they're going to want. I would pick Dallas Turner here if it was just in a vacuum. But I think when you're looking at how the defense is set up right now, I think you have to go with Jared Verse in this situation. Mm -hmm. But 
For the consensus, I am absolutely okay with going with Brock Bowers. Cool. Let's do it. Yeah, a lot of different ways to go for the Bears, and it's going to be fascinating to see. Well, not very fascinating for Bears fans, more like um, just nerve-wracking how the, how the season commences, but um, a lot of different probabilities for them in particular. The New York Jets are at number seven, and this is an unfortunate one because we thought this was going to be a really good football team. and. Yeah. It's still a really good football team. They just, they're not going to have the quarterback play to be able to compete unless they trade for somebody. And even then, who are you going to trade for? So they have the seventh pick here. Ian, where are you going with it on a loaded roster? Uh, I guess the question, the first question to ask, do we think Aaron Rodgers comes back next year? It seems like from what we've seen, limited talking opportunities, he has a desire to, but he's old coming off an Achilles tear. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. I don't know. What are you thinking there? I mean, they talked about some the, the procedure that he had to try to get him back for the playoffs this year if they somehow make it. So I, he seems like he wants to come back. And honestly, I would have said last year, like if, if this would have been the same version of Aaron Rodgers that we saw last year, I would have said, no, he's, he's just he's done. He's not coming back. But I think he I think he was legitimately reinvigorated mm-hmm. when he went to New York. So I think that he tries to come back next year. All right. So with that in mind, I'm going to make this simple. We're going to let Rodgers have his comeback tour. Uh, We're not going to go with a quarterback right away. We're going to go with a a position that's going to help the quarterback no matter what, offensive tackle. I'm going to go with Olu Fashanu uh, to number seven because Dwayne Brown is is trotting out there at left tackle, and they they need a young talent there. It's just it's not going to happen. I mean, no matter who's back there, we saw Zach Wilson going up, uh, up against that Dallas rush. Like, Zach Wilson definitely hasn't made the necessary leap to keep them competitive, I don't think. But at the same time, that Cowboys rush is menacing, right? You know, you just don't have the blockers to account for that, right? And Mekki Becton, too, we don't know what his long-term future looks like for the Jets. So I think offensive tackle for me is a position that they could have even addressed this offseason, and I don't think they did enough to. I'm going with Olu Fashanu from Penn State, uh, six foot six, 320, a phenomenal athlete, physical talent, strength, the power, but then also incredibly technically refined for his age. I think you get him in there. He just ups your play right away on the blind side and he helps Rodgers stay healthy next year and then helps his successor down the road as well. All lose the pick. Just We don't even have I'll to talk about pick. it anymore. All lose the pick. Let's move on to number eight. The Los Angeles Chargers, we can go a bunch of places here. We don't know if Brandon Staley is going to be around. One of the hottest coaches in the past decade mm-hmm. coming into an, uh, an opportunity and just not working out so far. So where do we go here? Yeah, a lot of different areas. I, I'm i leaning corner on my board. Kool-Aid McKinstry is still available for me. Uh, I know they have Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, they have Michael Davis, but he's going to be a free agent. J.C. Jackson has not really panned out. Uh, I think you go with Kool-Aid. I think he's the top corner off the board. Uh, They have edge rushers for now, right? They have a decent offensive line. They got Justin Herbert. They have weapons, right? I think there's a lot of pieces in place for the Chargers, but that defense is still pretty rough, even with Staley. So I think, you know, you need a potential coaching change, right, too. But I think just upping the talent level can go a long way as well. Kool-Aid, the top corner on my board. Uh, We saw against Adonai Mitchell, right? You know, he's, you know, he does get, tested by those guys who have that top tier athletic talent being six four right they can kind of outreach him just a little bit but still a technical technical savant incredibly physical uh very long athletic fluid so i think i'm going with kool-aid here yeah i'm gonna go with uh jc latham because he's still available because i forgot that the chicago bears drafted darnell right that offensive line is still a travesty so i just forgot they spent a first round pick on him 
We are, yeah, we're going to go with J.C. Latham here. They need a right tackle. Uh, Trey Pipkins is not going to be that long-term solution for them out there. But this comes into question who we select for us. Would you rather improve on that defensive side of the ball? And we obviously, again, don't know what the coaching staff is going to look like. But would I think just looking at it, I would rather address the defensive woes. Mm-hmm. So I think even though I select jc latham here and i might even select jc latham if him and kool-aid were both still available i am okay with i don't have a good enough feeling about it i'm not that direct like i don't need to so Mm -hmm. i'm good with kool-aid here yeah are they both are they both available on the consensus board they're both available for the consensus okay yeah, let's go Kool-Aid. I think especially right tackle, right? Like there's a lot of good options on day two in this class. Uh, yeah. I know the guy from Oregon State, uh, Telis Fuaga is very good. Uh, they got Ruben Fathery from Texas A&M, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, a guy that Ian mm-hmm. Valentino, our, our director, really likes. So I think there's a lot of options. I think there's not a lot of potential lockdown CBs on the boundary. A lot of good CB talent, but Kool-Aid is, is tops. So I think you got to go with Kool-Aid here. The New York Giants are up next. Ian, where are we going? <sighs> Oh my goodness. I did not expect to see them up here this early, man. I will tell you that right now. And honestly, like they gave Daniel Jones a contract. So QB is kind of off the table right now. Yeah, They're kind of stuck with that. Completely. It's it's just off the table yep. and offensive line too. Like the, the line has not been good at all, but Evan Neal is still young. Uh, you know, John Michael Smith is still young. You could go guard. I, I think this is too early for guard personally. So, you know, you can't really address that either. You just kind of roll, roll with the lumps and hope they develop. I do think wide receiver is on the table because I think the offense offensive line is bad, but you got to roll with the punches and hope they develop Daniel Jones. You're stuck with him, right? So how do you give this in the defense too? I think the defensive line is still very good. Uh, Dexter mm-hmm. Lawrence, you got Leonard Williams, right? You know, I do think the edge rushers will get better. I think you've got some young corners. So again, roll with the punches, let them develop, right? You're kind of in the same mode there. So how do you give this team that's kind of stuck kind of in neutral an infusion. How do you give them a, a boost? And I think the way to do that, you got to up the weapons core. I think getting a top tier weapon is the way to go for me. And there's a few wide receivers that stand out. I look at, you know, Malik Neighbors was a dominant this past week. There's three guys, I think, who could all field consideration here Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman, and Ameka Egbuka. Those three are all very high on my board. I think I'm going to go with Keon Coleman here. I think, you know, just the three-level framework that he provides at 6'4", 215 is really unmatched in this class. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's explosive. He's agile enough to separate independently. Uh, He's got great fluidity as a route runner, too. But then at the catch point, I mean, this dude is just a basketball player with how he boxes out and outreaches defenders. He's a red zone savant. And then after the catch, too, contact balance, explosiveness, physicality. That's the complete package. So I I think all three of those guys make a lot of sense to consider. But for me, uh, if I'm going for the Giants, I want absolute alpha who I can base other guys like uh, Jalen Hyatt and Wandale Robinson off of. Right. I think Keon Coleman just he draws so much attention from a defense uh, that he frees up a lot of opportunities for this offense. So I'm going with Keon Coleman, that alpha X wide receiver on the boundary who can be that complete three level threat. I love it. You know, I I. I had written down Brock Bowers. You can kind of get out of Darren Waller's contract here in a little bit. And on top of that, the health history with, with Darren yeah. Waller is concerning as well. But Keon Coleman, the, the the New York Giants wide receivers are small. 
most of them are small. Hodgins is a, a normal sized human being, but the rest of them are very tiny. Keon Coleman, like you said, he's going to be that alpha X wide receiver. And he's way more than that as well. And we, we've figured that out so far during Florida State season. So I am okay with Coleman here. I actually love that selection and we can move on to the Colts. Indianapolis Colts at number 10. You know, they, they've shown some promise so far this year. Anthony Richardson. Yeah, they might not be picking 10. They yeah, might not be picking Honestly, 10. I, I like what I've seen from them uh, a lot. I think Bernard Raymond, too, at left tackle. You know, a lot of our early mocks, we were wondering, is Oldu Fashanu going to be in the mix here or Joe Alt, right? But I think Raymond has shown enough where this might be the long-term guy. So offensive line might be off the table for the Colts, right? Michael Pittman is going to be a free agent. Do you go wide receiver? Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's tough. You obviously don't go quarterback. What are you leaning towards for the Colts? Uh, I still have Brock Bowers available. <laughs> oh, well, that's easy for you then. I made I made it tough on myself. I'm trying to, yeah, I think I, corner could be one, but they got a, a lot of young corners too. I think they roll with that group. Uh, you could go with defensive line maybe. I think Grover Stewart is going to be a free agent, I think. So I don't know if there's a nose tackle here. You're going to go with Brock Bowers, right? I am going to go with Brock Bowers here. Yes, I am. Okay. But I, I need to start thinking about the consensus here too. But Brock That's Bowers, I mean, Brock Bowers in, in this offense, you know, somebody that can attack the seam and somebody who can legitimately make plays around the line of scrimmage. I mean, we've seen Georgia with Todd Munkin hand him the ball in the backfield and he's averaged like 12 yards per carry. Yeah. This isn't just a dude who catches the ball, gets tackled and, and gains another yard or two. This is a dude who's going to bounce off of tacklers. He's a dude who can make tacklers miss at 240 pounds. He is the entire package at the position on top of the ability to go up and attack the ball as well as a receiver. For me, he's my second or third favorite player in this entire draft class. I think that, and, and I'm very against drafting tight ends high, but for me, Brock Bowers isn't even a tight end. He's just a 240-pound wide receiver yeah. that can also block if you want to put him in line. So it's uh, for me, it's an easy decision here. I'm going with Bowers. Yeah, and I, I'm you know I'm leaning the weapons way too. I think um, you know Michael Pittman is going to be a free agent. I don't know if they resign him. Maybe they do. You know, it seems like he's got some chemistry early on with the quarterbacks there. So we'll see. And I think you know Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Josh Downs is a good trio for you. Uh, at the same time, though, Josh Downs hasn't acclimated perfectly so far. You wonder if he's got the size to hold up in a primary slot role, right? So I'm looking at the wide receivers I just mentioned for the Giants, and one name that stands out to me as one who could be a particularly good fit in that Colts offense. Well, actually, they could both be good fits now. Now I'm, I'm second-guessing myself because Shane Sutton loves to attack vertically, right? You love you loved that element. And Emeka Aguka yes. has that ability to me. Like, he can do it. He's a long-striding athlete, very explosive, really good rack threat. But when you think of attacking vertically, I mean, I think you just replay Malik Neighbors against Mississippi State in your head. That's the performance that kind of comes to mind right there. So... I'm going to go with Malik Neighbors. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about this fit, right? He's a slot dynamo who can bend outside on those quick outs and corner routes. But at the same time, you ask him to stack and pry past defenders on the boundary. He can do that too. Phenomenal catcher at the catch point with his body control, his coordination. Um, and then he's a rack threat as well. So I'm going Malik Neighbors, that hyper-explosive, hyper-dynamic vertical threat uh, as the completing piece for that Colts offense. And man, I'm just... I'm thinking about it now. You got Alf Pierce, you got Michael Pittman Jr. If he stays, and then Malik Neighbors taking the top off for Anthony Richardson, that could be a lot of fun. 
I, I love it as well. I already selected Brock Bowers, but Brock Bowers is already off of the consensus. I like Malik Neighbors here. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts absolutely hawk smashed their iPad when Keon Coleman went off the board to the New York Giants here. They Because they legitimately need, in that offense, they need that legitimate X wide receiver. Yeah. They need the dude with the big body that's going to go up and get the ball. And Malik Neighbors is that physical kind of guy, but he doesn't have that same you know prototypical type of size at the X position. I think that they would have really loved Coleman there. And I think that Michael Pittman Jr. is a good football player, but I don't know if they want to shell out that much money for a guy who isn't a legitimate number one at the NFL level. So that is all we got. We got to get out of here. We are pushing up against the time. I can't believe that we actually got through all 10 picks here with how much we'd like to talk, but I hope that you guys tune into us on Thursday when we preview all of the prospects that are going to be playing in an absolutely stacked week four of college football. As always, guys, I love you. Goodbye.